public companies have clear hierarchies. They're run by CEOs who have to answer to a board of directors. But in one way, they're kind of like democracies. Every person or entity that owns shares of a company gets to vote on things that can shape a company's future. These votes happen once a year at a big shareholder meeting. And normally... Shareholder meetings are are usually quite boring. It's kind of a often just a rubber stamp. Many times investors don't show up or vote. But Wednesday's shareholder meeting at ExxonMobil is shaping up to be anything but boring. A big showdown is happening between the company's CEO and an activist investment firm called Engine Number no. 1. Engine Number no. 1 wants Exxon to do more to address climate change and get in on the green energy boom. But Exxon doesn't share that vision. And it's betting big that oil and gas will be in demand for years to come. It's a surprising fight for Exxon to be in, once the biggest publicly traded company in America. This is really the first credible activist campaign waged against Exxon. I mean, it's hard to really understate this, but it would have been unimaginable a decade ago, certainly two decades ago, for this to happen to Exxon. You just, there was no chance. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, May 25th. Coming up on the show, the fight between ExxonMobil and an activist investor over the future of the company. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. The activist investor that's campaigning against Exxon is called Engine Number no. 1, and it's pretty new. They launched late last year, and the first thing they did was they said they're going after Exxon. You know, pretty big target to take on with your, your first move. Our colleague Chris Matthews covers the oil and gas industry, and he's been following Engine's campaign. The founder is a, a guy named Chris James, who is a tech investor, been in the hedge fund industry for a while. He also hired a guy named Charlie Penner, who led many activist campaigns and is well-known in that world. Engine number one is targeting Exxon because it wants the company to do more to reduce emissions and invest more in clean energy. One of the big things Engine wants Exxon to do is to set a goal to be net zero on carbon emissions by 2050. This is a goal that other companies in the industry have pledged to. BP and Shell have made that pledge. Exxon has not. Engine's point is having that goal as kind of a guiding light is important. It puts skin in the game and it makes sure that you are responding to a changing energy world, that you are seeing around the corner on the energy transition. And is Engine pushing this idea more from the side of we just need to do this for the sake of the planet or that this is critical for the actual business itself to make money in the future? 
they're very much focused on the business aspect of this. In fact, I think if you spoke to Engine, they would say this is not some sort of social campaign. Now, certainly I think they would say, you know, you can uh, do good and do well at the same time. But their argument is this is good business sense. The energy transition is happening. Oil and gas demand may decline faster than Exxon thinks, and they need to be prepared for this changing world. They need to hedge their bets. We asked engine number one for an interview, but they declined. When you're an activist investor trying to get a company to do what you want it to do, you have a couple of options. One, you can buy up the majority of the company and take it over, but that can be extremely expensive. The other option, and this is what Engine is doing, is to buy a smaller stake in the company and submit a proposal at the annual shareholder meeting. Shareholders then vote on the proposal and hopefully they'll pass it. And the more shares you own, the more votes you have. But in this case, Engine number one doesn't have a lot of votes because it doesn't have very many Exxon shares. It owns just 0.02% of the company, which means it has to persuade a lot of other shareholders to vote alongside it. Engine has been behind the scenes meeting with all of Exxon's investors and making their case. And they've really launched on this charm campaign. It's interesting there, you know, you talk to investors and there's just been this, you know, onslaught of kind of backroom meetings. Practically speaking, what Engine is trying to do is take over seats on Exxon's board of directors. Engine has nominated four people to the 13-member board, and they need other investors to vote for them. Those candidates are up for a vote at tomorrow's shareholder meeting. If Engine number one can get investors to support their board candidates, then they're in business. How would that actually help if Engine had these people on the board? You know, the function of a board of directors is to review the business plans that these companies set out and approve or reject them. And, and, you know, the board is there to say, you're spending too much or you're spending too little or, you know, you're not thinking about this challenge, uh, this technology. What are you doing on this? Engine's pitch to investors is that its nominees, who say they would act independently, could make those decisions better. And Engine is spending tens of millions of dollars to wage its campaign on things like social media and advertising. At the same time, Exxon is fighting back, spending its own money to try to keep investors on its side. It's one of the most expensive activist campaigns ever. Exxon has actually spent $35 million on the campaign to Engine's $30 million. So they have spent quite a bit of money and resources on pushing back against Engine. And the man ultimately responsible for defending Exxon is the company's CEO, Darren Woods. We've been told that Darren and other representatives have been meeting regularly with investors, that they're really on an all-out campaign to defeat this challenge. They're in it to win it. Woods has to convince investors that drilling for oil and gas will be a winning strategy at Exxon for years to come. And it's a position he may not have expected to find himself in. He's um, basically an Exxon lifer, joined the company out of graduate school at Northwestern where he got his MBA, spent much of his career in the refining and and chemical business within Exxon. And people told me he's really a, a true believer in Exxon's way and processes and is quite loyal to the traditions of, of Exxon. 
Woods took over as CEO in 2017, when his predecessor, Rex Tillerson, left to work in the Trump administration. A couple years later, Woods spoke at Texas A&M University, his alma mater, and said that at first, he didn't really want the job. I didn't want to be the CEO. Frankly, I'd prefer to be the number two than the number one because there's a lot of stuff that comes with number one that it's not that fun. <laughs> uh, and I'm not, I don't particularly like the limelight. And so uh, I would have been very happy as, you know, number two or number three or whatever. If he didn't want the job, why was he picked to be CEO? According to the people I spoke to, he was picked in part for his financial acumen. He came up through Exxon's refining business where you're turning oil and gas into products and selling it. And it's it's really a margins business. It's about doing it as efficiently as possible and squeezing profit out of every barrel. And certainly the company was under pressure at that time. Financially, it had, it had underperformed. Its debt had ballooned. It had a bunch of projects that weren't doing well. And that was a challenge that he was picked to deal with. What I think he wasn't prepared for was this new role of sort of being a persuader in chief. It's almost a, a diplomatic role where he's having to defend Exxon's almost its right to exist. While engine number one argues that Exxon's future may be in renewable energy sources, Woods thinks that future is far off and that demand for oil won't go away anytime soon. Chris spoke to Woods last week and asked him about his vision for the future of the company. You can hear Chris typing his notes in the background. Ten years from now, what do you think the company looks like? We've been around for almost 140 years, and we've done that by understanding, you know, uh, how best to meet the needs of society in the areas where we bring unique value and contribution. And so I think we're going to continue to focus on that. Every credible forecast you look at, including the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and the IEA, says that certainly in the next 10 years, you're going to continue to need oil and gas to help support industry and people's lifestyle all around the world. During his time as CEO, Woods has been investing in that oil and gas future. He laid out this plan in 2018 to spend $230 billion to pump an additional 1 million barrels of of oil and gas a day by by 2025. That's an enormous sum of money, and it was coming after the, the company had already spent a lot of money chasing oil and gas production. He said the difference was that he was investing in projects that could make money at low oil prices, that uh, were advantage projects. But the returns so far haven't been great. And last year, things got much worse. The pandemic drove down oil demand to historic lows, and Exxon lost $22 billion, its first ever annual loss. All of which meant that the company wasn't on the strongest footing to defend its strategy when Engine Number 1 started waging its campaign. Since the company's been fighting with Engine, it has announced some changes. It's appointing three new board members, and it's creating a new business unit dedicated to developing technology to reduce emissions. So those are the two sides of the fight. A small activist investor with a hot pitch, and an oil giant with declining returns trying to defend its turf. But... What do the voters, the investors, think? That's after the break. Mm 
What is dedication? People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike and you didn't? I just created an environment where they taught themselves and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The fight between Exxon and Engine Number no. 1 will come down to who gets the most investor support. And Engine Number no. 1 has made some progress. There have been a number of investors that have come out in support of Engine's candidates. Actually, all of the largest pension funds in the U.S., CalPERS, CalSTORS, the New York Pension Fund, have supported it. Many of them have been quite vocal and supportive of climate measures for years, so it might not be surprising. But there's been some public support for Engine. But that on its own won't be enough to get Engine's nominees on the board. To get them elected, Engine needs the support of the heavy hitters, big institutional investors. And Chris says that might actually be within reach, because a lot of those big institutional firms are also facing pressure from their investors to back companies that act on climate change. I think the big question mark, and really the entire ballgame, is probably the institutional investors like Vanguard, State Street, Fidelity. And they haven't publicly said where they stand on this, and it's not their practice to do so. I think a lot of people are wondering, what's going on at BlackRock? What, what does Vanguard think about this? It seems pretty unusual that big institutional investors like this would even consider an activist proposal. So what has changed to potentially make them come around to it? I think what's changed is that environmentalists and others have really put pressure on the investors themselves. That the strategy has been, instead of focusing just on Exxon, let's focus on the money too. So what's new is that these big investors are under a ton of pressure themselves and they can't just rubber stamp the board and the things management wants at their portfolio companies anymore. They they have to be seen as taking a stand on climate change issues. On Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal reported that big institutional investor BlackRock did plan to vote for three of Engine's board nominees. Woods told Chris that he'll continue to make the pitch to investors that Exxon can meet the demand for oil and be part of a climate solution. The meeting's Wednesday. What, what's your closing argument to investors? Why should they trust um, your vision for the company? I think it's the same argument we've been making, and I think, frankly, that we have a very long track record and experience and capability to continue to uh, meet the needs for products that are critical to economic growth and, and the growth of people's prosperity, and we can do that in a responsible way. We can leverage those capabilities and skills to address the risk of climate change and emissions and make a significant contribution in that space. What are the odds that Engine is going to succeed and get its candidates on the board tomorrow? I think it's fair to say that Engine faces a steep climb here. It would be a big upset if they won all four seats. Now, I think there are people who think it's realistic that they might win a seat or two. We don't know. But, you know, I think the thing about it is even if Exxon prevails in whole or in part, what this whole episode illustrates is just, you know, how much pressure they're under. And even if they win this year, you know, it's not going away. The pressure is not going anywhere. They will still 
face the kind of demands that Engine is making in the years to come. This battle is obviously critical for the future of Exxon, but do you think it will also have bigger implications outside of Exxon and maybe even outside of the energy sector? Yeah, I I think the entire business world in some ways is watching what's going on at Exxon. Obviously, they are kind of the face of the oil and gas industry, so it has huge ramifications for other energy companies. But what is also really interesting here is the pressure that Exxon's investors are under. So I think people are going to be very interested to see, can an activist put pressure on institutional investors to affect change on climate-related issues at one of the biggest companies in the world. That's all for today, Tuesday, May 25th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.